Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off Angel. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us at patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. Tell me you're an investigator. More or less. Today, because of your curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. Not a taint. I'm your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. You got already an addiction to the brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for the bulk of it, where I was nearly tortured to death. Become evil again. You're a demon hunter. Rogue demon hunter. And kill everyone. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia. That's not a very good bottle opener either. It looks nice though. Yeah. It's pretty. It's fun. It's a butterfly bottle opener. Like a butterfly knife, but it's a yeah. butterfly bottle opener because we're badasses. <laughs> we're such badasses that we have to look like gangsters when we open our beer. Yeehaw. Welcome to Ale with Angel, everybody. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Today on Ale with Angel, we are reviewing season one, episode nine of Angel, entitled Hero. Yes, For really, really sad reasons. <laughs> Fuck a doodle do. But don't, because I'd feel really bad for that doodle do. We don't want to do this. Don't make us. Fucking shit. All right. So, first on the list, massive shout out to all of our executive producers, aka Patreon supporters. We have Meredith McCaslin, Rose Clark, C in quotes heaps, Andy Burgess, Kfro Gnome, Father DeFinistrato. Alexandria Ware, Von Brunt, Kelly McAdams, Shuby Pathic, Ollie from the Heart, and Carrie Phillips. These people are Ale with Angel. And also Beer with Buffy. That's a thing, too. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's over, It hasn't stopped. It's over there. It's on the <laughs> other side of the block for the time being. We're, we're taking a break. We're seeing other people. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> And uh, currently we have no new iTunes reviews. Yeah, no new iTunes reviews. This is our obligatory part of the episode where we guilt you for not reviewing us. We Unless you have you, reviewed us. We give you free entertainment <laughs> on a semi-regular basis. And we know you're out there. We see you downloading our goddamn episodes. Yeah. The least you can do. Like, we have at least 160 regular viewers. I'm looking at those reviews. I don't see 160 of them. Mm. No. Do you? I didn't think so. What about you, Rex? No, I I see the same thing you do. Okay, just check in. (laughs) It's like, I'm fairly certain you can count. Maybe I'm giving you too much credit. Nor am I hallucinating. Nor, well, (laughs) I got done licking those. I was done licking those frogs, like, months ago. That was a... That was a quarantine thing. And in related news, a town in, or rather city in our great state, has decriminalized psychedelic plants and mushrooms. Excellent. So, you know, that might be coming our way soon. They can still nab you for (laughs) frog harassment, but... Well, yeah. Well, (laughs) this is plants and mushrooms, not animals. Lame. (laughs) Well, won't somebody think of the tree frogs? (laughs) 
I also think it's toads that do that. I don't think there's any tree frog that you can lick that doesn't just outright fucking kill you. Well, sure, <laughs> but they're all off in the rainforest or some shit. I know ecology. <laughs> That's me, ecologist Josh. <laughs> okay, not really. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no iTunes reviews, no voicemails this week either. Just, just some dead fish. Yeah, my- and dead Irishman. Don't get me started. <laughs> well, how about instead then I get you started on a parental synopsis? Yeah, that's that's at least moving forward, I guess. Joshua, what are you doing, Joshua? Get back to being productive. If you're not working, you're dying. Work, 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 work. <sighs> Can't work, Dad. I'm grieving. I mean, I know you really liked that goldfish. I, I, I didn't think I didn't have a goldfish, Dad. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> All right, all right, forget I said anything. I usually do. So what the hell do you have to grieve about? Some fucking TV show character? Right, go ahead, invalidate me for caring about Doyle. Well, uh, where did you leave him? Well, what do you, what the fuck do you mean where did I leave him? He's dead. Why don't you, uh, why don't you just make him be alive again? Are are you fucking serious? This isn't supernatural, Dad. He's dead. You've got lots of favorite characters. Think of them instead. That doesn't make me not sad about Doyle. Have you tried feeding him? Maybe he's just hungry. God damn it. Daddy dead. D-E-D dead. He's fucking dead. Great. I'm the proud father of a big fucking crybaby. You're not my real dad! <laughs> so today on Ale with Angel, Angel tells Cordelia and Doyle about his harrowing experience with Buffy from last episode. Doyle tries to tell Cordelia about his demon side, but he's interrupted by a vision. Doyle, Angel, and Cordelia end up aiding approximately 20 Lister demons who are half-human and are being hunted by the Scourge, some leather-faced pure-blood supremacists who are basically just Nazis. Angel kicks some Nazi ass and calls in a favor from a Freightliner captain to get the Lister demons to safety. One of them reveals to Cordy that Doyle is half-demon and his secret is out, but Cordelia barely gives a shit and they could have had something real, real nice. But someone has to jump on the proverbial grenade, and Doyle decides that person is him. The end. Yeah. So, how'd you feel about this episode, Rex? (laughs) Uh, I think we should go at least a little bit, scene by scene. Oh, for fuck's sake. Fine. (laughs) Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, down. Cold open. Cold open to L.A. streets with a uh, an unexpected narrator. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we get to see this commercial basically as Cordelia sees it in her head yeah. for Angel Investigations. The Dark Avenger. Darkwing Duck. I fucking love Darkwing <laughs> Duck. <laughs> well, Darkwing Duck's fucking amazing. But no, she of course wants to cast herself as the helpless but gorgeous... <laughs> Lady in Distress. It sounds like she wants Patrick Stewart doing the voiceover. 
Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Right? Nothing wrong with that. I want Patrick Stewart doing all my voiceovers. Yeah. Yes, please. He really needs to have them make an AI out of his voice. If he hasn't right? done that, he should get on that. Samuel L. Jackson did it. Patrick Stewart needs to get on it. Right? Motherfucker! <laughs> and you can even make it swear. You can turn yeah. swearing on and off. I think they should have only had regular Sam Jackson swearing and heavy Sam Jackson swearing for realism. Right? There shouldn't be an option to censor Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, that's just not right. It's weird and gross and no one likes it. <laughs> that's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Cordelia decides that Doyle would be a better front man because he's more relatable than Angel. Oh, I, I love bits. Moments like this in, in a show where a character starts describing a random person, but then realizes that they're sitting there describing a person who's in the room. And so, like, halfway through the description, they kind of, like, turn and they're like, yes, yes. <laughs> it's almost like we did this on purpose. No. I know, it's a trope I really enjoy. Okay, well, good. Congratulations. Trope fulfilled. Uh, she also wants to get Angel out of his extra depressive funk over his recent Buffy encounter, which uh, she doesn't even know the half of. As she's trying to convince Doyle to do the commercial, he says, I don't know what we need evil for when we got you right here. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Oh, I should have gotten more Doyle quotes on this one. I have a handful, though. Mostly Doyle, Doyle quotes. I was too depressed the whole episode because I knew what episode it was. <laughs> I didn't till he fucking died. Oh, really? Like, it, not right when he died, but like pretty fucking close to the end, man. Oh, I. I didn't remember this episode at all. I, dude, I figured it out based on the fucking uh, previously on Angel. I was like, oh, God, it's a Doyle clip show. I don't see those. Oh, you didn't? Okay. No. I was watching it on Hulu, so. Yeah. Yeah, it was basically everything cool Doyle ever did in the entire series up oh, to this God, point. Yeah. It's like, let's set him up so we can knock him down! Yeah. <laughs> Cut um, to Doyle acting about as well as I would. <laughs> I think a little better. He's <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Zingo! Uh, so he's very awkwardly filming. Uh, absolutely nothing like Cordelia's vision. Like, he's just reading a script right. in front of a desk. And... Like they specifically have his his cue cards taped to the wall over her shoulder. Yeah. So he's constantly looking he's off camera. squinting the whole time. <laughs> like, no wonder it's a shitty performance. He can't read the fucking words. <laughs> and also, it really did say rats. Right? Yeah. yeah. He's like, our rats are the best. She's like, it says rates. He's like, no, it says rats. It really does say rats. Uh, fun fact. Christopher Walken reads cue cards. I would. He doesn't memorize scripts. <laughs> well, that would account for his weird cadence. Yeah. As I'm talking, I'm going to pause occasionally in very weird spots because that's how the words are written on the cue card. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, room. Good night, moon. Good night, cow. Jumping. Over the moon. <laughs> Remember that? That's a Simpsons reference. I, I am aware. All right. I that, that one's ancient. He's been around for a while, turns out. So Cordelia thinks Doyle is coming off too weaselly, which I think is a bit harsh. Yeah, it really is. He really and just seems Doyle thinks it's a bit harsh. Yeah, he just seems nervous and shy to me. 
Uh, really good fake bad acting, though. Yeah, because we know that Glenn Quinn is like really charismatic on and has a great screen presence, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that's a trait both him and Charisma Carpenter share. <laughs> they know how to reverse engineer that and make it look like they're bad actors. Right, which is, I think, honestly, why these two characters have such amazing chemistry. Right. And I was reading some articles after this. I'm going to save most of that for when we're done with this. But there was talk of them all being a pretty close-knit group behind the oh, scenes yeah. as well, which makes me happy. It's a small cast. Like There's only three of them. Yeah. So, like, that makes sense. That makes the difference between a good show and a bad show a lot of times is whether or not yeah. the actors like each other. Right. There's, so, yeah. Because there's that little thing called chemistry. Yeah. At the end of this scene, I got a quote of the day. They're discussing how Cordy wants Angel to, you know, kind of just suck it up and, you know, take one for the team to do the commercial and get some business and everything. And she says, would it kill him to put on some tights and a cape and garner us a little free publicity? I don't see Angel putting on tights. Oh, now I do, and it's really disturbing. <laughs> that's our composer used that in his transition music. Yeah. So that's definitely a good spot. I think my favorite part about that line is the fact that Doyle obviously has a little bit of a man crush on Angel. Yeah, so that's, that's fine. That's respectable. Yeah. Respectable. I mean, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Doyle says he'll go have a chat with Angel. Cut down to Angel's apartment. Angel tells Doyle all about the lost day where he was human and with Buffy. Much to Doyle's incredulity. Well, and the whole exchange here is really about Angel expressing how they don't belong to themselves. They're heroes for a reason. And Doyle's like, ah, fuck you. I would have chosen the flesh. Yes, he seems very <laughs> proud and impressed by Angel's choice to give up everything and keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. They have a really good moment, one that really shows how noble Doyle actually is, completely unwittingly. So I really enjoyed this exchange uh, between Doyle and Angel. He says, Well, if it's a fight they want, can't someone else give it to them? It seems unfair, you know? You gotta save all the helpless types around here, and now you've gotta fight the apocalypse as well? Angel responds, It's all the same thing. Fight the good fight whichever way you can. Tell you what, you fight, and I'll keep score. I... I'm not doing that scene justice, but it no. really had this this weight to it. Like, it really felt like a bro moment. Most importantly for later... It was a bromant. It was a bromant! <laughs> but, Damn it! <laughs> you pulled out the first pun of the episode. Uh, one Josh, Rex Zero. God damn it. <laughs> no, um, specifically, Angel, in this this whole scene, I don't remember where in this scene, he says... You never know your strength until you're tested. And this comes back to bite us in the ass! Right in the ass, like a pissed off dolphin or something else. Why'd you do it, Angel? Why did you convince Doyle he could be a hero? Seriously, you're the fucking martyr here. <laughs> Buffy's already moving on. Nobody else loves you. Like, people like you. They're like, yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Anyway. Good to look at. <laughs> I don't want to share my feelings. I don't want to open up. I want to find the guy that killed Tina. And I want to look him in the eye. Then what? Then I'm going to share my feelings. Up 
upstairs in the hallway stairwell outside the office. What a convoluted location that they chose to eat their lunch. Right. But they did. Doyle tells Cordy what Angel had just told him all about the missing day with Buffy. And Doyle and Cordelia agree that Angel shouldn't have kept the secret from them. Yeah. I mean, it's been what, a week? And he did tell Doyle. So, I mean, don't fucking act like he'd never told you. Yeah, they didn't uncover it or anything. He outed himself. Yeah. And I think maybe if Cordy at any point in time during the last week was just like, hey, what's wrong? It wouldn't have been a problem because that's all Doyle did. He went downstairs and basically said, hey, Angel, what's wrong? What's eating you? Yeah, basically. And it wasn't like pulling teeth to get it out of him. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe he was just then ready to talk about it. But like neither of these two at any point during the last week was like, hey, buddy. What's going on? Mm-hmm. You seem way broodier than normal. Yeah, just give him a fucking minute. And, you know, they, they knew, they kind of knew what the issue was, but they really didn't know the half of it. Right. But, yeah, so this is when all that shit goes down, and Cordy uses this as a chance to inquire about Doyle's ex-wife. Yeah. And seems pleased with his answer that they won't be seeing much of each other and need to move on with their lives. Yeah. You can just see the hidden joy in her face. It's very good, subtle acting. It is. Very much so. And uh, Doyle uses the conversation topic of not keeping secrets, specifically regarding his ex-wife Harry and Angel. You know, it's it's very topical. He yeah. uses this to transition into starting to tell Cordelia that he's a half-demon. And he almost gets there! But then he's interrupted by a vision. It looks like a really blinding, splitting migraine of a vision as well. I mean, they always do, but... Yeah. I don't know if Cordy is, like, just... Rolling with it and finding some humor in the situation, or like she's actually thinking that Doyle is acting something out. No, but she she's, like starts responding like he's doing charades. She's acting like he's uh, playing charades. That's because some random woman walks past them. I didn't notice that. Yeah, there's some random woman in the hallway, and I'm just like, yeah, because she would have assumed that he was having a supernatural vision and not just having a migraine or an ice cream headache. Because that's what any passerby would think if they cared at all. Right. Which they probably wouldn't. No, no. Especially in L.A. Yeah. You just keep walking. Mm-hmm. You don't make eye contact. You just keep walking. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah. And I felt, like, insensitive. But I get what she was going for. <laughs> I got a quote here, though. Yeah, she's... she's even more insensitive when his vision stops. Go for she, it. She looks at him and goes, so did they look like they can pay? Yeah. That was one of mine, uh, too. It, oh, Cordy. Cordy, Cordy, Cordy. So there's a this short little scene of a couple, what looked like homeless people at first to me, but they turned out to be demons running from like soldiers or some shit through the streets. Yeah, we're outside on the street. She drops some groceries out of a box, hurriedly picks them up. And then this guy runs over and puts his hand over her mouth and drags her into a dark stairwell. And then we hear footsteps and we see a bunch of legs go by as they watch from the railing. Yeah. And I don't get why why they always do that in shows. I'm like, dude, hide your fucking faces. Hide better. Yeah. They always stop. Like, uh-huh. You're half hidden. Only half. Mm-hmm. You have a whole other half. Like. The easiest thing for other people to recognize is faces. Like, they might not see your legs sticking out, but if your 
face is sticking out, they're going to fucking notice. Yeah. Our brains are very specifically designed to pick that shit out. That's my that's point. That's why we can see faces in literally anything. Exactly. That's and what, that's why my car looks cute. That's why two dots and a line look like a fucking face to you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my car looks cute. <laughs> yes. That's why your car is adorable. Cut to a condemned <laughs> building. Where Doyle and Angel are searching the place out. Handy that Doyle's vision gave him an address. I know, right? And uh, Angel opens up a hatch in the floor that he apparently found with his extra sensitive vampire senses. And it's just filled with scared looking demon people. Yeah. And uh, Angel soothes them with his sad, dark broodiness of safety voice. Uh, <laughs> much like one would with a frightened chihuahua. <laughs> So they still shake for the rest of the episode, but you know they're <laughs> they're not as yappy, or is, it the, <laughs> or is it the other way around? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No Chihuahua. All right. Well, they were pretty quiet, actually. You know, because yeah. <laughs> when you're hiding from Nazis, you learn to be quiet. Yeah. So they've all come upstairs after the commercial break, and they're explaining to Angel. That they paid some asshole to take them to an island where they'd be safe, but he screwed them out of their money and ran off, and the boat never showed up. And uh, so this leader dude that's explaining all this thinks Angel is the promised one of their people's prophecy. Of course they have a prophecy. Like, these 20 people. I'm sure it goes deeper than that. Like right. The Lister demon as a race, or whatever, has this prophecy. Do you and think they smell minty fresh? What? They're Lister, right? They're Lister demons? Listerine? They Only if they minty. eat a tangerine that day. That Yeah. And then they turn into breath strips. Cordy was almost on the right track, but <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> the two kids from the previous scene on the street show up. Yep. The girl runs and hugs one of the other demons on the couch, and the boy immediately gets in a fight with his father over something. I don't know. Well, ba basically, the kid's like, oh, you, you believe in this dumb prophecy. No one's going to save us. We have to save ourselves. And the yeah. dad's it's, like, you respect tradition or some respect shit. Respect my authority. And he's like, yeah. your authority's bullshit. <laughs> You're not my real dad. Don't say is, that. Though. It hurts daddy when you say that. <laughs> You're my stepdad. Well, half stepdad. How's that even work? <laughs> well, I don't think we want to talk about that. It's not appropriate <laughs> for the dinner table, son. <laughs> we have some weird demon anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not just the forehead ridges, guys. It's less forehead ridges and more like overemphasized eye sockets. Yeah, it's just easier to say forehead. But you're right. <laughs> yeah, the kid's super teen angsty, thinks the prophecy is horse shit, not afraid to tell his dad he thinks so, and he thinks he, that his dad's going to get them all killed, and then blah blah blah, the Scourge is coming to kill them, which apparently the Scourge are the soldier types from earlier yeah. that we saw run by with the scary marching noises. Angel and Doyle step to the side, and the following scene confused me a great deal at first. Doyle does some professional brooding out of a window, yeah, because he learns from the best. Oh yeah, you don't hang around that level of expert broodiness and not pick up a little bit of pointers. Yeah, like the overflow is more <laughs> than enough to create an entire another master brooder. Oh yeah, like we're only half a season in, not even, and Doyle's almost the 
to that yeah. level. But Angel asks him what's up. Doyle knows about the scourge. Yeah. And but you're right. This next scene, it just comes out of nowhere and smacks us in the well, face. It's We're- a flashback. Exactly. It's an odd choice for editing. It cuts to the flashback. Well, it, it, it I think it goes to the flashback after a commercial break. So it feels like it's real time. Right. And they never established beforehand in any way that it was a flashback. Right. It goes to the flashback and then it cuts back to present day. And I didn't realize that that was a flashback till like we had gone back a couple of times. Uh, okay. Yeah. Very confusing. Yeah. So Doyle is smoking and wearing completely different clothes. Yeah. So both of those things are clues. A Bracken demon, which is the same type of demon that Doyle is, yep. a full Bracken demon comes in and begs him for help because his people are being chased by the Scourge. Doyle refuses because this is a flashback to when just after Doyle found out that he was a demon, which they establish in the scene, yep. he and he doesn't identify as a Bracken. He only identifies as a human. The Bracken demon is... You know, basically talking about how they're being hunted. Doyle's just as, in as much danger as he is because he's still half blood. Right. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I can pass as human, so I'm fine. I mean, it doesn't say that, but it kind of feels... He pretty much says that. He beats a little around the bush, but not even a whole lot. Not a whole lot, no. Judging by your uncomfortableness, I would say you're either about to ask me out on a date or you need a favor. Well, see, the thing about detectives is they have resumes and business licenses and last names. Pop stars and popes, those are the one name guys. So he can't sleep that night after he tells this guy to basically fuck off, even though, God, he looks so defeated and sad when Doyle's like, I can't help you. It's not my problem. It's your problem, not mine. I'm, I'm human. And the guy's just like, but you're our only hope. Like, literally, man. Fuck. No, nope, fuck really, off. Go kick rocks. Really felt bad for this guy. Right? Like, even if I wasn't half Bracken, I'd be like, shit, dude, I'm sorry. Here, hide in my closet. Hide in my closet. <laughs> Bring your family. I'll dig a hole in the backyard for you. For you to sleep in or something. I don't know. Where do you people like to sleep? Like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean you people. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode screams nazism and holocaust of the jews because like absolutely they're being murdered and like hiding in fucking floors and shit and like so basically doyle in this scene is kind of playing sympathizer he is yeah i felt a little bit of in the scene later we'll get to that when Mm -hmm. angel yeah pseudo joins them but he, he plays the sympathizer card so i got a quote out of this or an exchange so we're back in real time at the abandoned house where the Lister demons are staying. Yeah. Doyle says, these people are going to need more than their mythic promised one. The contractually obligated 500 might be a start. You can't fight the scourge, Angel. Angel replies, it won't come to that because we're going to get them out of here. Just another one of those scenes that I can't do justice, but it was intense. Right. Much like the circus. (laughs) It took place (laughs) inside tents. So, oh God, that reminds me of one of my favorite stupid jokes. Ever got laid while camping? It's intense. It's fucking intense. Uh, it's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, one more, one more, one more. Why is drinking light beer like having sex in a rowboat? Why? It's fucking close to water. <laughs> <laughs> God 
damn it, what is that from? That's from something. I think it's the uh, that one with Simon Pegg, The End of the World or something. Or World's End. Oh, yeah. Or it's one. It's a Simon Pegg something or rather. Anyway, so we're done with shitty jokes. But yeah, he can't sleep after he kicks the guy out because you fucking shouldn't be able to sleep after right. screwing somebody over in need like that. He and goes then- to check out his vision because he thinks that it's like... He's having a stroke or something. Yeah. But it turns out everything he had a vision about was true. Yep. And this is the start of his vision thing. Vision his quest. Vision quest. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of is a vision quest. It is a vision it's quest. It's a quest. And he has visions. It's it a, works. There it is. And that's when we cut back to real time. Yeah. Now, these people are going to need like the contractually obligated 500. It won't come to that, etc. So now, a uh, little bit later, same condemned building. Cordy shows up with a truck and... Doesn't know that there'd be demons. Like, what the fuck did they tell her? Get a truck. Show up at this address. And just walk inside. It's abandoned. Okay. And like, they didn't... She didn't once go, why do you need a truck? Right. (laughs) Well, they kind of have a habit of that this episode. Very much, it's more about urgency and follow orders than knowing what's going on as far as how they deal with Cordy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, But I thought it was funny. I was like, oh boy, Angel saves the day by renting a (laughs) U-Haul. But there's more to it than that. So that's how it felt at first, though. (laughs) It's like, oh man, they were having real troubles that a U-Haul could solve. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I just spilled whiskey all over myself. I guess I deserve that. Alcohol abuse. I know. Just wipe it on my jeans. That's all you can do at this point. Because I'm a savage. So she's scared of the demons when she walks in, and she holds up this stick. I thought it was like a marker. She's like, by the way, this may look like breath spray, but it's actually very sophisticated demon repellent. Spritz, spritz, spritz. Remember breath spray? You don't see breath spray anymore. That's because it's just candy in liquid form. It's liquid candy. And the the leader demon just goes, hmm. Wintergreen. <laughs> I like that. That was funny. And, uh, yeah, it turns out Wintergreen Breath Freshener isn't a particularly effective demon repellent. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> and uh, so Doyle grabs Cordy and pulls her aside to have a little catch-up with her, you know, which they should have done over the phone. Right. To avoid this awkward encounter. Oh, and they have this kind of great moment where Cordy goes, they're demons. And Doyle has to justify to her why half-demons aren't bad. Right? You can kind of tell that him having to do that with her is a really good thing for himself internally. Right. Because he is like them. Sure. So when he has to be like, no, they're fine, it's about accepting that part of himself as well. Yeah. Definitely kind of an addition to the episode with his wife just... Yeah. A, a little bit ago. Yeah, so he explains that there's some gray area, which, I mean, she should already know this. Right? But for fuck's sake, she works for a vampire. She works for a vampire, and she makes the point herself later in the episode, so I don't know why they're having her act so incredulous about demons yeah. being so evil all along. And then at the end, she's suddenly like, oh, pff, I don't care. But we'll get to that. Uh, She gets uppity that Angel's using up a favor that could have otherwise been repaid (laughs) in money. 
<laughs> right. In order to get these people on a freight liner and to safety. But she senses the urgency in Doyle's voice and goes to talk to the captain like Doyle asked. And just as we're closing out the scene, Cordy's face suddenly gets really serious, which is rare for her. And yeah. she says, bad things are coming, aren't they? Doyle responds, very bad things. So it's like, all right, finally, getting the plot moving. Everyone knows that serious shit's happening. Chugga chugga, woo woo! The plot train. That's the plot train. (laughs) (laughs) All aboard! (laughs) Cut to an office or something at the docks. It's the docks, yeah. And, uh, God, I love this little scene. The dude knows that Angel is a vampire. Yep. Angel uses this perfectly to his advantage. Yeah, he hardballs the hell out of this guy. I feel kind of bad for him. A little bit, yeah. It's like, man, you're breaking my balls. Breaking my balls here, Angel. Well, the dude basically is saying, oh, I can't do this. I smuggle some things for my, what was it, brother? For his brother, because he's family, uh, yeah. not for money. Uh, the guy's like, what, are you, are you going to bite me? <laughs> nah, I'm not hungry. <laughs> so he's telling him to mark down the uh, freight that's actually these passengers as medical waste so that they won't get searched because I don't know if that's a real thing or not, but they apparently won't search medical waste because who wants to be digging around in blood and, you know, yeah. used body parts or whatever. Um, like <laughs> used finger Fingernails and bloody cotton swabs and bags of fat. Hey, you can make soap out of that. I know. <laughs> they shouldn't be throwing that away. It's perfectly good fat. Yeah. It's the fat <laughs> of the earth. <laughs> My one favorite line from this scene is uh basically the guy says, Oh, what if I what if this doesn't work? Angel says, Then look for me to get a little bit peckish. Just a <laughs> wee bit peckish. <laughs> when I get hungry, I might use that to get things that I want. Yeah. <laughs> daily daily do. And because uh, Angel's Irish too. Yeah. We can dilly dilly do Angel all day. Giggity. <laughs> so, yeah, he threatens the guy with being eaten. Cut back to the abandoned building where Doyle tells them to run when Cordy gives the signal. Yep. And, uh, uh-oh, this kid, this fucking kid, Reef, I think is his name. Yeah. Uh, he's run off. Doyle promises to make sure that he makes it to the boat, too. Tells them all not to wait for Reef. And luckily, this little girl knows where Reef went. I'm with Wolfram and Hart. Everybody should have a lawyer like this. Mr. Winters shall never be convicted of any crime, ever. Should you continue to harass our client, you'll be forced to bring that in the light of day. I want that stricken from the record. A place I'm told that's not all that healthy for you. So Doyle very quickly catches up with Reef. Yeah, like immediately cut to Doyle finding Reef. It's not yeah. a matter of finding Reef at all. No, it's just like he's out on the street. Yeah. But Doyle runs up to him and goes, you're fast. And Reef replies, I'm walking. You're just old. Yeah, and I'm like, motherfucker, he's like late 20s at most. <laughs> Doyle's response is, yeah, okay. In fact, I'm fairly certain Glenn Quinn was 29 in this show. I suspect so. Because he died when he was 32 in 2002. Yeah. Real yeah. talk. We'll get to that later. But- so Reef feels sorry for himself for a minute. But clearly doesn't have a better plan than sticking with his family. Well, basically, as he points out, it's either stick with family or get dead or... Or be on his own and get dead. Yeah. Or it's it's more a matter of, you know, who to be hated by. 
Right. Be hated people by normal people, be demons. hated by other demons. Well, and he... But, I mean, your family doesn't hate you. Right. So why would like, you abandon the only people that don't hate you? Well, and Doyle points that out. He's like, well, that. what about the girls who's back there that are going to be super sad when you're gone? Oh, well, like, she's dead already. Actually, I just spoke to her like 30 seconds yeah, ago. She's yeah. fine. Yeah, she's fine. But I like this little bit here because Reef is talking about his mom, who was human. And how mm-hmm. his mom one day took him out and he got to walk around the neighborhood and he asks Doyle, what day was that, Doyle? And Doyle doesn't answer at first. I fucking asked you a question, Doyle. <laughs> what day was it? And it was Halloween. Halloween. He knew. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that part hit home hard. Well, it didn't really hit home. Like, right. I don't have that problem. Right. Only, I have the opposite problem. Like, I, I never managed to come up with a good Halloween costume anymore. Except this It used year. to be such an important <laughs> holiday t- for me. Right. But, no. But like, I, I really felt for the kid. Like, that really sucks. Only having oh, one yeah. day a year that you can go out and people won't question that you look funny. Right. But Doyle comes through with deep conviction in Angel. Yeah. Just very loyal, and he really believes in Angel. Oh yeah, and it like it comes through perfectly. The kid's sarcastically like, "Oh, my hero!" In regards to Angel, and Doyle responds, "Yeah, that's exactly what he is. And your people can call him the Promised One or the Dark Avenger. What does it matter? Well, it matters because it's a lie. And you know, I really relate to that. I don't think we should lie to our kids for." happy white lies or any reason at all like i don't believe in telling kids about santa claus no i think it's just you're setting them up for disappointment um completely agree and that's bullshit that you're like well that's you know life is disappointment then why you gotta add to it fucker well the whole idea being oh if we if we tell them this they'll believe in magic have you met kids they'll believe in magic no matter what you fucking say (laughs) right Um, so Doyle finishes up with, they put their faith in something, Reef. You don't have to if you don't want to. Maybe Angel doesn't know what he's doing. It's possible. But the other option, losing yourself somewhere, hoping it all goes away. I know that never works. How about we go find your family? And yeah, that part about getting lost in yourself and hoping that it's going to fix something. That one I did feel right in the home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right in the home organ. The home organ. The home organ. It's up to you to figure out which one that is. <laughs> I think it depends on the emotion. Sure. So cut to the ship again. Cord- Where Cordy's checking on the boat. That's pretty much it. Yeah. She, I. This felt like filler to me. So the captain's showing Cordy the cargo space. It's very shitty, as he points out. Um, but they'll get him some blankets or something. Maybe a, maybe a couple buckets, guys? Maybe a glass of water? I don't know. <laughs> and Cordy's like, we'll take it. And I mean, you fucking better, considering Angel already scared the shit out of this guy. Right. <laughs> I don't understand why Cordy had to go check out the boat. They needed an excuse to get her over there, I guess. To yes. give Doyle time to have this heart-to-heart with the kid so that she was somewhere safe and... It was a fetch quest, because this wasn't yeah. about Cordy, this episode. Oh, true, true, true. Cut back to Doyle and Reef, where the scour- the Scourge caps up. The Squirgel? Yeah, the Squirgel. <laughs> the Squirgel catches up with them. Not the Squirgel! <laughs> Squirgel! Squirgel! <laughs> Christ. 
it's an evil Nazi Pokemon. <laughs> so we get we get a nice little shout out to racial stereotyping here. Reef says, "I thought all Bracken demons had a good sense of directions." <laughs> Doyle quippily responds, "Oh yeah, and we're all pretty good at basketball too." And I'm like, "Oh, ouch! You're a racist, Reef." So anyway, they run and hide from the scourge who uh, promptly show up, and they're just. They're Nazis. They're, like they're literally just Nazis. They they didn't even try. With demon faces. They're just faces. like, "Hey guys, we want Nazis in this episode." Leathery gross demon faces. Oh yeah. Yeah, basically zombie Nazis is what they look yeah. like. Yeah. Which it's been done. It has. I think it was done after this was made, but now it feels like, "Eh, it's been done." Anyway, points for zombie Nazis. That's fine. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. No. And uh so I mean, for fuck's sake, given current times, I felt terror. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So Doyle goes, he turns into his Bracken form and creates a diversion to keep Reef safe. He plays decoy. Face goes all spiky and he's like, stay here. And he runs outside and just like in full view (laughs) and manages to still kind of sort of get away from them. And he yakety sacks around a little bit and then (laughs) zips off in one direction. Where Angel reaches out and... Yanks him into another random room in this alleyway. It's very cartoonish. A little bit. Like, why they chose to have the sound effects too completely took me out of the episode. God damn it. I couldn't even say it with a straight face. They didn't really have cartoony (laughs) sound effects, guys. Rex is just an asshole. So, yeah. Angel pulls Doyle inside and Doyle's like, they're coming. Angel's like, good. Because he's ready to kick some Nazi ass. Yeah. As he should be. How many people want to kick some ass? Angel does. Angel does, yeah. (laughs) Definitely ready to fuck up some goddamn Nazis, which, you know, good. Yeah. So I saw a bumper sticker that said, I saw it just today, it said, Annoy a liberal, use facts and logic. Now, I'm betting that they found that bumper sticker on a shelf directly next to the Annoy a conservative, use facts and logic sticker. (laughs) the real winner is the one who's making money off of rubes that buy those stickers and understands that both parties are completely fucking corrupt and all you partisan ninny shits are just sheeple sheeple i tell you you know the the simple truth of this episode is is i miss the pure times when you could just put nazis in your fucking show and everyone just knows oh they're nazis they're bad guys yeah yeah it was okay to kill nazis there were entire video games based on that in the golden days of the birth of video games okay okay generic political rant over punch a nazi it makes conservatives mad because their own circular arguments collapse around them you can't be intolerant of intolerance that's intolerant you're inciting violence So the Nazis are protected from inciting violence against innocents, but liberals are not protected from inciting violence against violence inciters. And, yeah. Yeah. And they just go, in a puff of logic. Uh, Good pull. (laughs) Okay, now I'm really done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) Generic political rant over. This episode was guaranteed to, like... Bring up some of that shit. Poke the bear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially now, this is extra sensitive. We did not think in any way that we would be dealing with a resurgence of fucking fascism and white supremacy. But here we are. Yeah. A person needs certain designer things. 
eat my friend's brains. Hey, you're a vampire. Anyway, apparently the Nazis knew exactly where to go to find where they were. They walk into the main room where all the people were hiding. Mm -hmm. They open the trap door and it's empty. They've already left. You know, good timing. And then out pops Angel holding on to Doyle, who's all demoned out still. And Angel goes vamp and uses Doyle, who's still in his demon form, uh, uses him to infiltrate the Scourge. Yeah. You know, either that or this was his plan all along, and he really just murdered Doyle <laughs> and has been hating his human side this whole time. What a twist. <laughs> I'm totally sure that's exactly what's happening. That's, I think that would be a great direction for this whole show. Guess what? Angel's just actually evil, even when he's got his soul. So, I mean, Angel actually makes a very compelling argument as he goes full traitor here, full yeah. Nazi sympathizer. Like, this part chills me to the bone because this is the kind of shit that black people during slavery and Jewish people were doing during the Holocaust to survive. You know, they were called sympathizers. We covered that. Yeah. You know, they joined the enemy to ensure their own survival, uh, which I kind of get, but it's disgusting overall. Yeah, it's pretty well summed up with the exchange between the leader of this of the Scourge and yeah. Angel. He says, a half-breed who murders other half-breeds. Always charming. Angel says, I know who you are. I want to join you. Join us? You wish to die? I need to be cleansed. And only <laughs> you can show me the way. Really appealing to his narcissism, which if you're a white supremacist, you are a narcissist. I guarantee yeah. it. Yeah. You can kill me if you want. You'd only be freeing me. <laughs> but I can kill half-breeds for you, and believe me, I can do it faster and better than anyone you got. I know their minds, where they hide, how they think. I can help you. And they're just like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, at the very least, they're thinking, oh, yeah, we, we'll bring him in. If we, if we don't like what he's doing, we kill him. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a win-win. Right. Yeah, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, sounds like a halfway decent plan. Too bad they basically just stop paying attention to him immediately. Right. Here's a uniform. <laughs> Go about your business. So, <laughs> but I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. <laughs> so Angel lets out this ghoulish laugh as they haul him away. Because, you know, it's win-win for him, too. If they kill him, yep. he's cleansed of his humanity. It's not really win-win. right at the beginning of this conversation... Angel breaks Doyle's neck. Yeah, I figured that they had worked that out like some wrestlers to fake it. Right. But in this very next scene, you know, Reef finds Doyle, thinks that he's dead, but he opens his eyes and sits up. Because apparently Doyle in demon form can survive his neck being broken. He just goes crunch and puts his neck back in place. Fun fact. That's how my neck sounds in the morning. <laughs> 10,000 seconds <laughs> will give you such a crick in the neck. 10,000 years. I know, but I was trying to tie How it in. How long is 10,000 seconds? That's a good question. It's 2.7 hours. Okay, well, so that's still too many, but yeah. let's say 10... I mean, you know... milliseconds? 
10,000 milliseconds would be shorter. I know. I was going for an amount of time between him getting his neck snapped and sitting up and putting it back in place and then using it as a reference to Aladdin. But it's thoroughly ruined at this point. Yeah. So (laughs) it's over. (laughs) It's done. Moving along. The joke's dead. Very dead. We can stop beating it. It's as dead as the horse (laughs) it rode in on. (laughs) So yeah, Reef and Doyle uh, run off to the boat. Reef and Doyle run off. They're going to go catch the boat. And we cut back to the boat. Mm-hmm. Where... <laughs> oh, Cordy. Cordy has convinced the captain that the deal that they made today was just that this clears only half of the debt. Yeah, she's <laughs> busting his balls, too. This poor bastard. <laughs> he's just trying to do his fucking job. But I guess he should have gotten on uh, paying off Angel's debt a little faster. Right. I'm really curious what that was for, because that just seems a little too convenient. The way they talk, it almost sounds like Angel was still a vampire when the debt was accumulated. I mean, still evil? Or, yeah, still an evil vampire. Yeah. Soulless. Yeah, soulless vampire. Hmm. It's possible. Pig. (sighs) (laughs) But, no, my favorite part is the captain's all like, well, we can't wait. Cordy's like, oh, no, we have to. And so... Captain's like, okay, fine, but this covers 60% of my debt. Then we'll wait. And she's like, you do drive a hard (laughs) bargain. (laughs) Cordy, Cordy, Cordy. This really turns back to one of Doyle's quotes. Why do we need evil when we've got you? (laughs) Right. Like she's, she's a hell of a businesswoman. Hey, the girl's got rent to pay. Yeah. You know? What can I say? So, so the demon dude, the leader guy, the father of the kid of Reef, he thanks Cordelia and he also praises Doyle while he's talking to Cordelia yeah. for their help and sympathy. Specifically Doyle, though, because he is more able to relate to their plight because of all the persecution. You know, him being half demon and all. And she's like, what? <laughs> demon? And yeah, she gets really incredulous here. To a demon. (laughs) Pretty ballsy to be like, a demon to a demon. Right? Yeah. Bitch got balls. She got bitch balls. In a good way. Tasty, tasty, (laughs) salty bitch balls. (laughs) Moving on from that, I I thought this next scene was in a sewer, but it turns out it's just an alley. A layer, thing, yeah, something around it. Oh, it's an alley where Nazis are doing the Nazi thing. Nazis gonna Nazi, bro. Yeah, they're gonna give long, drawn out, overly flamboyant speeches about how they're murdering people. Yep, demon they're Hit- murdering. Demon Hitler is evil. Evil. Yeah, actually, there's a rather pleasant garden path, but beyond that, evil. So they're evil, duh, and they have a big light bomb that's gonna kill everything human in a quarter mile radius. Woo, big thinker, a quarter mile radius in L.A. Like, sure, that might still take down several thousand people, but that's still like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Uh, Well, they're not that into killing humans specifically. Just human demons. Yeah, they want half-breeds And they really just want to kill this particular group of Lister demons. Right. So, the demons who are on the hunt, they happen to apparently have an extra uniform, and they also happen to have some really good hair gel. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because Angel is looking quite Nazi-ish in his 
new uniform. Suddenly he's all dapper Dan with his hair. Yeah. And, (laughs) yeah. Like, why Uh, do they have hair gel? Every uniform comes with hair gel, turns out. All the demons don't have hair, so why? Maybe that's one of his broody superpowers. <laughs> he just gets really sad, and his hair is like, oh, <laughs> and and just move like lays right over. Yes, his hair got depressed, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> But anyway, so Angel now knows that they know that the half-demon immigrant folks are on that ship, the Lister demons, and Angel watches them kill the first mate of the ship who was there to sell out the demons for some money. Yeah, that didn't work out so well for him. And they kill him with the light bomb, and it's only powered on to its very, very low setting, and it still melts this fucker's (laughs) skin off. We know it's the low setting because, you know, Angel's still alive. Yeah. And he wasn't that far from it. So they, they had to stick this dude's face right up next to it to melt him like Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade style. It very much was. Yeah. It was it, gruesome. Only not quite as gruesome, but still pretty gruesome. Like that fucking scene from The Last Crusade. <laughs> it's iconic. Uh, it oh, gave that, lots of kids nightmares. Not Last Crusade. Yeah, it is. So you're, when he okay, drinks you're, from the goblet. You're, you're liking it to... When he drank from the goblet, I was liking it to when they opened the Ark of the Covenant. No, the goblet scene. Because the Ark of the Covenant one was way more gruesome, I thought. I don't remember that one. It Basically, they they took and made uh, a clay wax face, but they made all the layers. So they made a skull and they put muscle and shit on you. it. It's and, gruesome. And then they actually like melted it like freaked me out when i was a kid i believe i watched that way too young (laughs) so we watched the dude melt yeah yeah shit so the white supremacy demons deploy they sure do trust angel pretty intrinsically already at this point yeah fucking dumbasses sounds like they've been shopping somewhere that we all might find a little bit familiar (laughs) Down at the Plot Hole Emporium! Don't walk, put on your stomping boots, and march down to the Plot Hole Emporium, where we can solve all your writing woes. Still having trouble with that pesky need for a conflict in your plots? (laughs) We'll pick out some dumb two-dimensional oafs, and your main character can infiltrate their shit in two shakes of a sheep in wolf's clothing's tail. (laughs) All you have to do is... All you have to do is bang out your plot and we'll grind it a new hole. The Plot Hole Emporium, everybody. Oh my god. Do that again. I will not. Bang out your plot. It's a double pun. <laughs> and we'll grind out your hole. <laughs> oh. oh, man. I don't see Angel putting on tights. Oh, now I do, and it's really disturbing. Protecting young women such as yourself? Oh, yeah, there's been uh, four. And three of them are very much alive. So, yeah, they all go to march off to go after the the Half-Bloods, and uh, Angel kind of slightly lags behind to see 
what's happening, but then uh, they don't they don't really show like where everyone goes, but they show the wheels of a motorcycle as a demon gets knocked off the motorcycle, and of course these Nazi demons have a 1930s motorcycle. Yeah, why wouldn't they? So and, Angel steals a motorcycle. Yeah. Cut to the ship. Where Doyle and Reef show up. And they have a quick little goodbye. He's like, thanks, dude. Gives him a high five or some shit. And Cordy and Doyle have themselves a little heart to heart. A little talking to, if you will. And uh, it's quite touching, really. It is. She berates him briefly and then point blank tells him to ask her the fuck out already. And I'm like, yes. Oh, oh no, it's even better than that. Because she's like, oh, we, we were so worried. And, like, gives Doyle enough time for that to sink in. And he's just like, oh, oh, you're worried about me, huh? <laughs> oh, shucks. Well, And I... then fucking slaps him. And it's not, it's not a little slap. Starting there, I think we should just read the rest of the scene. So Cordy slaps him and he's like, what was that for? Why didn't you tell me that you were half demon? I thought we agreed that secrets are bad. Well, I wanted to tell you. I was afraid. I... I thought if I did, you'd reject me. Cordy responds, I've rejected you way before now. So you're half demon. Big whoop. I can't believe you'd think I'd care about that. I mean, I work for a vampire. Hello. And yeah, that's what we've been thinking all the fuck along. But so she's been all, ooh, demons are definitely black and white bad. Yeah. So, and he's like, it's true. I just, oh, she says, what do you think? I'm superficial. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, what if the glove fits? No, <laughs> but no. Anyway, she, she continues and she's, I mean, you're a half demon. That's so far down the list, way under short and poor. <laughs> Is there anything else I should know? What? <laughs> What do you think? I'm superficial. And then follows it up with that. It's glorious. So uh, Doyle responds. The half demons thing is pretty much my big secret. And Cordy, in pure Cordy fashion, it's like, good. That's out. It's done. Would you ask me out for dinner already? I'm like, fucking hallelujah. It's too bad I know that he's about to die. Right. But you didn't know I that. didn't yet. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, like, I like the implication here that she knew that he wanted to ask her out for dinner, but she was just waiting for him to come out and actually, like, ask her out and not this coy, pseudo-flirting bullshit he's been doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think she literally was just patiently waiting for him to be, hey, Cordy, do you want to go out with me? Yeah, she wants somebody who has the balls to be forward. Yeah. I can respect that. So, and then Angel shows up just as he's trying to ask her to dinner. Really shitty timing, but, you know, business is business. And he tells the captain to GT the fuck O because uh, they don't need to wait up for the first mate anymore. He's dead. Yeah. D-E-D -E dead. I like how before the captain's like, we gotta leave. And then as soon as... Everyone who's supposed to be on the boat is there except for the first mate. He's like, we can't leave. I My first mate's not here. Right. You weren't worried about that before. Yeah. Well, you know. It's... And uh, so the scourge shows up just after Angel. Angel's telling everybody to get back down into the cargo bay, the captain to get up to the bridge. 
surprised the captain didn't punch him in the face and be like, you don't order me around on my own boat. But I think he kind of knew what was good for him. Also, like, he thinks Angel will kill him. That too. So, you know, <laughs> reasons. Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> the, the the head demon dude is like, you lied, half-breed. And Angel replies with, you catch on quick, football head. <laughs> That's such a Buffy re- retort. <laughs> and yeah, so it, it is now officially a Hey Arnold crossover episode. <laughs> yeah, whatever, football head. <laughs> I never hey. really watched that show much. Yeah, me either. Like, I have no other quotes from that show. To go with that, so... And then, hey, it's fight time. And then they fight! Yeah, the crazy fuck takes on the whole horde of football (laughs) heads by himself. You know, that's just what heroes do. (laughs) And narcissists, but... Or people who are just darn good at fighting. Yeah. And Angel's darn good at fighting. Like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Bruce Lee would take them all on. He absolutely would. And he'd win. Yeah. So Angel and Demon Hitler roll down into the cargo bay just as the light bomb is being craned down into the cargo bay as well. Boy, they sure made quick fucking work of that nonsense. Right? It's almost like they took a little trip (laughs) on the side on their way to the boat and bought some supplies over at the Plot Hole Emporium. Hey, need a quick evil plot? Take your pick. Nazis get it done every time. Mix that with some classic tropey, slow-moving elaborate devices, and you're <laughs> as good as gold. Careful when you jump into our holes, because we're not paying for the damages of all of our discount plots. <laughs> not quite as good as the first one, but still good. Careful, they spit. <laughs> so, Angel snaps Hitler's neck. Yeah. Makes quick work of him. Uh, the irony there is that his pure blood isn't even as resistant to neck breaking as the half breed Bracken demons. Right? <laughs> yeah, who has the, the superior genes there? Yeah, not the white supremacists. Right? Funny how art imitates <laughs> life, you know? I, I do find it interesting that the demons are specifically using technology. Right. Like this is a like it specifically shows that this thing is a computerized sort of bomb thing. Yeah, it's fairly high tech, right? So like that's that that fascinates me. Yeah, they must have hired somebody. Had to have. Fascinating. But they couldn't have hired a human because, you know, if you test it, you cook the guy who built it. And <laughs> right. then what if what if it fritzes out after the first use, and then, mm-hmm. then you gotta go find another person who has to rebuild it? And... But it seems unlikely that they did it themselves, because they're clearly all kind of a little bit inbred. Yeah. And this is why we don't inbreed, okay? If you inbreed, you're gonna have a bad time, okay? <laughs> so now, now we all have to deal with this fucking light bomb ordeal. Yep. Angel plans to sacrifice himself in the process of defusing the bomb. Doyle has different plans and calls back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Fight the good fight, yeah? You never know until you've been tested. I get that now. First, he punches Angel off the platform. Yeah, he just fucking hucks him right over the platform. I'm kind of impressed that he was able to punch Angel off the platform while being human. Like, he didn't demon out for it. It was a sucker punch. I don't think he saw it coming. They were having a moment. And then he's yeah. like, bam, motherfucker, gotcha. But then he turn he turns to Cordy, kisses her. Steals an amazing looking kiss yeah. with Cordelia. Then demons out. And did you notice 
the weird blue sparkles between their lips as he pulled away from her. I didn't. Mm, yeah. But no, his line for this kiss, he says, too bad we'll never know. And he kisses her. And then he demons out, if this is a face you could learn to love. And then Doyle leaps onto the bomb and very painfully, painstakingly unplugs it slowly as he melts horrifically and dies in a flash of heroic agony. This is the most gruesome appearing death we have seen, period to date in Buffyverse. Right. Yeah, I was like, ooh, there's no coming back from that. No. That's like, that's dead dead. That's not like, he might be okay. No, he's not okay. Long enough. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little broken. <laughs> <laughs> like, he fucking melted. Yeah. On a close-up. Oh, it was, oh, it was gruesome. Yeah. And Cordelia, like, there's a moment of silence after it's all over and everybody's in shock. Cordelia starts bawling. I started. Dude, I teared up. I teared up. In I teared public. right the fuck up, I was man. Like, don't, don't. <laughs> you're in public. Don't fucking goddamn it. And but it only gets worse. Oh god, it does. We cut to the fucking office where Cordelia and Angel watch the video from the beginning of the episode. I. So my notes for this scene is uh, Angel and Cordy watching the commercial. Sad, 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 sad. I, I didn't bother writing most of it down. You know, we've all already seen it once anyway, but it yeah. just, it really fucking digs in at the end of his speech when he says, is that it? Am I done? And I was like, yeah, you're done. God damn it. Oh, God. Uh, it fucking... Oh, whatever. Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall give, walk give, in here. Hold on. You've got something here. Huh? How'd you feel about this episode? <laughs> so it fucking hurts Ugh. on two levels because I know that this that Glenn Quinn dies in real life only three years after or two or three years after this episode yeah. originally aired. I'm gonna open one too. Let's just fucking do a toast yeah. to fucking Glenn Quinn. Cause you fucking you were amazing. Bro. I so that's a toast, man. Yeah. You got to drink to a toast. To Glenn Quinn. And one for my homies. No, not really. Um. <laughs> There's a lot of little moments in the episodes that he's in that make me go, man. He he was talented. Yeah, but. This episode especially, right. like he he knew he was on his way out and he's like, I am going to bring my fucking A game. Yeah. Well, I specifically, the, the first thing I looked up as soon as this episode was done was I was like, so why did he leave the fucking show? Because my first assumption was he left the show of his own accord. There's no other reason that they would have killed off his character so quickly. Obviously, no. it was working out so well, right? No. It, it wasn't. That's not the case. 
Because no. I looked up his IMDb profile. He only after this he only did a smattering of other TV shows. And there was one where he did four episodes, but that was starting back in 97. And he had like one more appearance after he was done with Angel. So it's not like he went and ran off and tried to have a bigger career. Yeah, he had. So he had a lot of issues with drug addiction. Yeah. And alcoholism. And a big part of it was he was showing up late to set. Uh He was difficult to work with. On the director side of things, hmm. by what I've seen and read. So what I pick up is that he was great as far as, like, cast is concerned. Sure. Like, all the actors loved working together. But uh, the directors and the writers and the showrunners had a lot of butting heads with him constantly. Hmm. That's and, unfortunate. like, apparently there were some times where he showed up drunk to set. Yeah. And, like, that's just not a thing you fucking do. That's super unprofessional. When you look into it, it makes sense as to why they're like, look, we gotta, we gotta shit can you. Yeah, so from what I gleaned from a couple of articles that I read really quick, uh, they interviewed Joss Whedon, and he really loved the idea of having a character that is basically a plant. Just like Jesse from the first episode of Buffy. He want, originally wanted Jesse to be in the opening credits... So that we would think that he's one of the legit main characters and then kill him off in the second episode. Yeah. So that we'd be like, holy shit, what the fuck? Because he's a troll like that, apparently. Yeah. So he maintained that this was kind of always the plan with Doyle was to kill him off early. and But he had promised him a proper send off. But there was some conflicting information Like, while that was semantically technically true, that that was an idea, it doesn't technically, it doesn't really mean that that was the plan all along. Right. And pseudo sort of confirmed by one of the head writers who gave some hints that Glenn Quinn was difficult to work with and that they just needed to not work with him anymore. So what I think happened is that he became difficult to work with and Joss is like, well... I have always wanted to do this. Right. And as an audience member, I really fucking appreciate the weight of killing off a well-known, seemingly main character. Because shows don't fucking do that. It is a bold choice. But it also hurts. You know, I get really emotionally wrapped up in that shit. And I don't want them to die any more than I want actual close friends to die. It is legitimately a little bit emotionally traumatizing. It's like when people cry over fucking Harry Potter characters dying. It sounds stupid, but that's real emotional pain that you're feeling. Right, right. Like, I had the same issue with The Walking Dead. Oh, The Walking Dead really, really fucked my brain on, you know the episode I'm talking about, everybody. Yeah. The the one oh, yeah. where Negan kills two main characters. Yeah. I won't ruin it just and in you, case anybody intends you didn't to see that. fucking see it coming. Really did. And we didn't see this coming. But in hindsight, they set it up really fucking well. The pacing between the Doyle episode where he kind of slightly sort of comes to terms with his demon side but not enough to really like out himself but there's definitely some moments where 
he wrestles a little with this idea that he's actually going to be this good person and be this hero well before this. When we first see him, he's very much of the, the mindset where, oh, I'm not the hero type. I'm the coward. Like what we saw earlier in this episode where he's like, I would have just, you know, picked the flesh. Yeah, or like, not really the coward so much as the, you know, the smarmy weaselly type. Yeah, the weasel. Yeah, uh, just like Willie, the bartender or something like that. You know, any random lounge lizard type character, which is the kind of the vibe they were going for. But, you know, one who's actually a good person, it turns yeah. out. You know, room for character growth like you do. So as far as the question of did I like this episode? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, yes. Let's come back to that in a moment. So on top of them getting rid of him, they still talked about possibly bringing him back, apparently. Like there's a very recent article, like just July of this year. Oh, wow. Of 2020 telling the story of how they almost brought him back in season three to have him be the big bad. Oh, that would have been intense. It could have been fun. It could have been really fun. But I agree with the article. I mean, obviously, it didn't happen because he died in real life first. But it's probably better in the long run that we got to remember him as a good person instead of sullying his character by turning him into a villain. See, I'm going to say kind of on that one. Mm, Yeah. I mean, they didn't know that he was going to die young. This was decently done with... Angel and Angelus, where we get to see a good character turn bad. Yeah. It was, I say decently done with Angel and Angelus because before Angelus, Angel was not a great character. Like, first season Buffy, Angel's awful. He's kind of a one note, one trick pony. And like, before he turns bad, we don't really get to understand the depths of the character. Mm Mm-hmm. So, or like, the talent of the actor, especially that, yeah. And so, we didn't really get to see David Boreanaz come out and be such a good actor till he was playing Angelus, yeah. So, when I think about the idea of an actor who's obviously pretty fucking talented and got good writing, mm-hmm. and they established him so fucking well, and then bringing him back, especially. After they they did a death of the character so very designed for finality, you said during the the episode he's dead dead <laughs> he's very dead dead D E D dead yeah like you melted there's no coming back from you melted yeah <laughs> so the idea he's not that, a fucking shapeshifter he's, right he's not Odo like the idea that they could have brought him back that would have been. Think of the torture. Mm-hmm. Like, there, that would have been so much more torture for both Cordy and Angel than the torture that Buffy had with Angelus. Also, from a modern standpoint, I'm really glad that they didn't bring him his character back, regardless of Glenn Quinn actually being dead. Let's say that he hadn't, just for the sake of argument here. Right. Because from a modern standpoint, I am so over the, hey, we killed this character. Just kidding. Yeah. No, we didn't. He's back now. Because you haven't seen nearly as much of Supernatural as I have, but Supernatural (laughs) gave me fucking whiplash, dude. Because there's literally- I've heard. Sam and Dean die so many times, it literally becomes a 
just a regular joke. Like every time they die, it has absolutely no effect. I'm just like, they'll be back in like two, three episodes tops. Yeah. And it's not even that. It's like next episode. Like you think that Buffy and Angel can't hold their wads when it comes to (laughs) suspense? Supernatural absolutely fucks that pooch. See, I, I was a comic book nerd long before I got into any other type of pop culture anything. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything comic books do better than anyone else, it's inconsequentially killing characters off. <laughs> like, every character dies and comes back. It doesn't matter who they are. Uh, they'll all die, they'll all come back. It makes me so glad that I never really got into comic books. I kind of want to start reading the Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic books. They're weird. Yeah. They're weird. But we're not talking about that. Right. So how did you feel about the episode, though, Rex? So. No, sir, I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I liked the episode kind of obviously. I mean, that's a strong gimme. But I think I only liked the episode for the fact that a, it was a big character death. Mm-hmm. B, it was extremely well acted. But outside of that, it's not that good of an episode. Yeah, the big bad was, or the the monster of the week was some zombie Nazis, painfully one note. Yeah, seriously one dimensional zombie Nazis. I'm sorry, demon Nazis. Whatever. Yeah. And Cordy, they really just kind of said to Cordy, yeah. except for her scenes with Doyle. Everything else, uh, she really phoned in. And it's not like she phoned it in as the actress, but they phoned in her, yeah, her role in... The, the weight of her role. The weight of her role in the episode. She was their, their go-fetch girl for things that really didn't even matter, that were inconsequential to how things played out yeah like it wouldn't have mattered at all if she had go she didn't need to go tell the captain anything she didn't need to give them a signal they just needed to get in the truck and get to the fucking boat yeah That's- who cares if it's not ready you exactly. wait in the truck exactly <laughs> but like the plot wasn't great the fucking hell there was nothing special about the cinematography yeah the makeup on the demons looked pretty fucking awesome that mm-hmm. was you know that's something and the fucking effects of melting Doyle was... Huh. Im- impressive and traumatizing. Yeah. Um, that would have fucked me up if I was that age watching it. Shit. But outside of the big buildup for the character and the exceptionally well-acted scenes with him finding his redemption as a hero, mm-hmm. it was it was alright. <laughs> you know how I felt about this episode, Rex? How? Give me more than that. <laughs> when you asked me that like a statement like <laughs> you know how i felt about this episode yeah <laughs> no so how okay how did you feel about this episode i fucking hated this episode because <laughs> they took away my doyle <laughs> those motherfuckers they, they did, did it really well they did but the plot surrounding them taking it, him away was phoned in and bullshit. And Rushed. he deserved better. So much better. I don't give a shit how much of a pain in the ass he was on the set. 
And another thing that they said was, oh, he conflicts because his energy is too similar to Angel. I'm like, fuck you. They were in harmony. Those two yeah. worked perfectly together, brilliantly together. It was just fine. I fucking swear to God, you motherfuckers took away my Doyle. And he was breaking the nice guy trope that he started off in. And we were going to see some serious goddamn potential character growth come out of him. And they fucking took him away. He was on his way to becoming one hell of a respectable sidekick. And... I hate it for the same reason that I hate that episode of Solar Opposites. You know the one I mean. The only episode in season one. I know you don't know, but everybody else who's watched it knows. The fucking episode about the wall people, and that's the only thing that happens in the episode. And the only thing that actually makes you feel anything is when they kill the fucking mouse. Well, that's just cheap. You cheap little bitches. You took my Doyle. Fuck you. So, yeah. A daily, daily Doyle! (laughs) That one's for you, Doyle. You know what would have been better? I don't. If they had made it a two-part episode. If they had set it up for Doyle to be able to say... Because here's the problem. We get a little bit of Doyle talking to Reef Mm -hmm. about, oh, you don't want to go that route. Yeah. I've been there... It's not worth it. Yeah. And that feels a little redemption-y, you know? A little bit. But I think it would have been exceptionally more impactful had they actually had Doyle backslide slightly. And they had a whole episode where some... I don't know fucking what. something Hell, something happens with Harry. Maybe something happens with his ex-wife. Backslides in what capacity? In Backslides in the capacity of being a weasel. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just backslides ever so slightly. Yeah, I wanted to see more backstory on all the seedy shit he had done. Yeah. Suddenly like, he just became the saint. Turn this whole fucking episode into a two-parter, stretch it out, turn the bat, the flat one flashback scene that we had into an actual arc. Mm-hmm. Like, he's had a run-in before with the Scourge, and, like, he ran out, and he, like, actually make the other demons dying his fault. Yeah. And make it where he, no, he's not going to let that fucking happen again. Oh, that's like, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And like really, really like hell, make it so that even Cordy is like, what <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you, Doyle? And like really just kind of disgusted, really get a moment where we truly think that is Doyle really just a lost cause? Mm-hmm. And then he turns it around. Bam. Yeah, that would have been nice. I would have traded every last ounce of weight that they gave to him being a good person and making that sacrifice for the good fight, breaking his nice guy roots and all of his character growth up to this point and the weight of his death and his sacrifice for those people and for angel because he knew that angel's a better man than him and he needed to go on fighting i'd have traded every ounce of emotional weight that they gave to this episode for another season of solid backstory and continued character growth of the kind that you just described yeah 
I absolutely would have. And that's why I'm sticking with as much as I had the feels in this episode, I still fucking hate it and I am mad about it. I'm really interested because for some reason I didn't really very strongly remember this episode and I don't remember anything of the rest of first season. Yeah, you repressed the emotions because it was so traumatizing. Probably. (laughs) But like, I'm really interested to see what the fuck happens with the dynamic here. I'm very curious to know what happens because there was like a magic that was found in the last few episodes between these three characters, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I, I don't know. I think I have to... I, I know that the show recovers and... I mean, it doesn't just recover. It doesn't even miss a step and the show gets great. It goes from good to great. But I still fucking long for and yearn for and will never know the other kind of greatness that this show could have had if it had kept Doyle. And I wonder if Glenn Quinn might not have fucking overdosed if he hadn't gotten fired. Which, you know, that's... I'm not saying that we should yeah. guilt anybody no, for God, that. No, you God, can't fucking no. do that. That's But my no. mind goes there, and it's it's a sad place. And I'm in a sad place, God damn it! I'm really, seriously... <laughs> I'm, I'm joking to slough it off, but I'm truly sad about this. This really fucking gets to me. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Let's clean this up. Yeah. Let's get to quotes of the day. What's your quote of the day, Rex? I he, I got to go. I got to go with his last line. Do it, bro. Like, do it. Because, like, nothing's better than that it. Am I done? Oh, God. Right in the feels. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually tearing up just fucking talking about this I shit. I know, man. Uh, you know, I'm a little perturbed that I'm able to get so fucking invested in a show that I'm taking notes on. <laughs> like, if that doesn't say good fucking show, I don't know what does. Yeah, just because I hate it doesn't mean it's not good, guys. I'm just mad. I'm really mad. Like, we gotta critique it, but, like, it's... It's so fucking good. Anyway, what what's your quote of the day? Well, you know, obviously I'm going with a Doyle line. Well, it's our last chance. You gotta. There's no <laughs> other option. All right. It's always my first impulse. I had to go back through all my other lines, but it's I always end up coming back to my first impulse, which is his other last line. Yeah. His other, other last line. I wanted to go with something quippy because that's how I want to remember him. Because he was a funny fuck. Right? He had wit. I'm very curious how they're going to fix that in future writing. And I really appreciate wit. Yeah. I'm having a really hard time not just blurting out. Because I can pretty much sum it up for you in one sentence exactly how they fix it. But, okay, Doyle's last two lines are my quote of the day. The good fight, yeah? You never know until you've been tested. I get that now. And then he kisses Cordelia. And when he pulls away from Cordelia, he says, Too bad, we'll never know. And as he morphs into his demon face, If this is a face you could learn to love. And he leaps at the light and he does his thing. And I think that one gets me the most. Because I'm like, yeah, we never will know. And like, I felt more chemistry 
an attraction between him and Cordelia than I ever did with Xander. Oh, like God, yes. That just felt like some high school bullshit in retrospect. Like, it was fun in the moment. Right. But it's like, oh, we're angry. Now we're making out. Okay. It's been done. No. Like, and not even just in this episode, but just in the all the episodes that they've had like strong interactions their chemistry is really fucking fantastic it absolutely is and it's because they actually you know they hate they started out butting heads but then really found an appreciation for each other and i think they yeah. could have had one of the greatest tv romances ever and they kind of did even without having it oh and maybe that's why it's because that, you know, mystery of what could have happened is maybe better than anything they ever could have actually written. But like, for fuck's sake, Cordy's facial expression and just pure joy when Doyle finally just says, do you want to go out with me? And just the where the look on her face says she looks at him and goes about fucking time. She loves him so much already. And it happened in such a short amount of time, but it feels so genuine, you know? Yeah. And I'm just so sad that we don't get more of that. So anyway, those are my quotes of the day. So I'm I'm going to close this up with saying I'm sad to see Doyle go. It always sucks when... Somebody's struggle with drugs and alcoholism can affect things that they do that they love. And in watching a show like this and a portrayal of a character like this, this man loved nothing more than being able to act. And you can fucking see it. He was good at it. He was. And maybe poor life choices, maybe just bad situation... The man went down a rough road and it beat him. And that just sucks. I blame Hollywood. That place will fuck up anybody. And to everyone out there who is listening to this, who has been there or is there, reach out to someone for fuck's sake. There are people out there who give a shit. And there are shoulders to lean on. And you just can't take that shit for granted. Absolutely. So this has been Ale with Angel. Find us on Facebook. We would love to hear from you about how you feel about this character. We have the Facebook group, just Beer with Buffy. Find us on Twitter, at Beer with Buffy. Email us. Give us a call, voicemail. 269-743-0783. If you'd like to support our show financially, find us on Patreon. We'll name your cat. We will. We actually will. <laughs> if you'd like to own something tangible to help support our show, you can do that by going to store.beerwithbuffy.com. So find us on Patreon, patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. I'm all choked up still. I know. Review us on iTunes. That's the number one way you can help our show. Send us an email at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. As always, special thanks to JJ Treadway for our opening, closing, transition music. This has been A with Angel. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Are we done? Can I go cry? <laughs> That's a wrap on Glenn Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank you, Glenn Quinn. Thank you.
certain amount of responsibility, and instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs> done why are we watching this 